Doobie listeners, you're listening to The Undercard, the Doobie Radio's premier wrestling podcast series. Uh, I'm your host, William Main, and as always, I like to do this show because wrestling is something I personally love, and I've wanted to find a good outlet for it. And this was a great way, due to COVID, having to force us to think outside of the box, so I've started this little show, and I hope if this is your first time listening, you will continue because it's just I like to talk about all the new things in wrestling news and just kind of my thoughts on matches, kind of reviews and thoughts on wrestlers and opinions I've seen. So I wanted to, I hope you will be willing to stick around for that. Maybe you'll get interested in wrestling if you're not. I, honestly, that's the thing I know. Not a lot of people love wrestling, as I know when I first, I mean when I first found out about wrestling. Uh, it was I was working at a, my job, and it wasn't until I met a coworker who I was trying to, you know, get something in common with, and I kind of ta- mentioned uh, what little I knew about wrestling, and this she just kind of went off on this whole thing, and this whole thing trying to explain why wrestling is so awesome, and it, it, honestly, it kind of caught me by surprise because it was just I was fascinated the way she was is able to describe it. It was like. A, like legitimate movie storytelling. Like, I love movies, of course, and the way she made it sound was as if it was some legitimately great top-tier writing. And I I fell in love with it when I came back home and I started doing a bit more and watching some more matches. And, yeah, I really did. I really fell, fell in love with it around that time. So you, sometimes you just never know what's, when something's going to pique your interest, so it's always good to keep open-minded about those kinds of things. And... Yeah, so if you're still listening at this point, I hope you'll listen a little bit longer because I've just got some good news, uh, kind of good wrestling news from this week. Of course, since I'm always a week off on Sundays, sometimes the news can be a little old. So maybe I should call this show Blown Spot because, you know, a blown, a blown spot is where a wrestler mistimes something. So maybe that could be a better name for my show after all. Either way, um, I mostly just picked the stuff that I wanted to give my opinions on that I'd heard from this week and in general, just kind of, you know, just have some fun with it. So uh, first and foremost, what I heard a little while back was a story about Vince McMahon, of course, the owner of the WWE, not uh, wanting to appear on television anymore. Now, of course, Vince has been a was a mainstay for WWE in the Attitude Era now, and he and he helped. He was one of the people that many claim helped. Um, sorry, about that, helped make the make the WWE so popular with his feud with Steve Austin and in as like as the authority figure, as like one of the first true authority figures in the WWE after he did the Montreal Screwjob with Bret Hart. And he was just brilliant in the role. He was comically over the top. He was just, he was a joy to watch and watching Steve Austin always, sorry about that. Um, Watching Steve Austin always get back at him was was always fun. It was fun fun to watch. I was, of course, I wasn't around during the time that happened, but... It was uh, from what I've seen and watched when I watched back some of the old clips. It's it's pretty funny stuff. It is like the scenes where he's he's in the hospital or all the scenes where 
um, he's giving everyone a beer bath or when he breaks it, when he steps in on the Vince winning his humanitarian award it, or just the numerous times he's stunned Vince McMahon. He was always fun. And either way, he, Vince at this point was, uh, he, he's of course older now and he's not been on TV as consistently due to his age and as just not, and sometimes fans just getting a little tired of him since He's seemingly, as many criticize him, that he hasn't been as in touch with the, what the wrestling community likes anymore. So it's either way, he hasn't been seen on screen in a while. I'm trying to remember. I think the last time we saw him was another last major storyline he was involved in in terms of as a full-blown character, not just like a one-off appearance, was when he was with a, the Kofi Kingston, the build of WrestleMania and him trying to kind of, you know, stop Kofi because he's saw him always as kind of mid Carter and that. Um, but either way, I, I can't recall the exact last time he was seen on television at this point, but that was the last major storyline he's been involved in. And there was also, of course, the clips of him jumping off the, of the, 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 the uh, Rob, Gronkow- Rob Gronkowski, arena because he wanted to prove that it's proud to do it and it's perfectly safe because you know that's vince he's 77 yet he's still doing stuff like that whatever uh he either way he's decided now that he's not wanting to be on television anymore it was i think i think the report said that it was because of stephanie mcmahon who wanted him to you know start tapering off and he didn't really want to but he's decided it is kind of for the for the best because of his perceived age and his perceived and his lesser ability to be able to do more bumps and take more. And you know what? Props to him. Like he, he listened to some sound advice. He, you know, for a guy again, that gets credit for not really listening to reason. It's good to see there's still some brain cells working in him. A little bit of sanity left that decides that he, he knows he's getting to that point where it's like, he can't keep risking a lot of himself. Like, like when he took that headbutt from Kevin Owens a few years back was just, yeah, it helped the feud, but still, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though, so it's sad to see. It's it's a little sad that he's like he doesn't know how fans will react to the idea of him being older. And it's like he's still very much appreciated, as we saw in one of the Raw episodes when fan, fans were cheering him for his accomplishment and for all the flack he gets. I think he still will be remembered when he eventually, if if he eventually gives in control from the promotion. So. Either way, that was just something I thought I wanted to give appreciation, though. He was able to realize that maybe his time as an on-screen presence is kind of coming to an end. Then for our next major uh, bit of news was the AEW anniversary show, which, of course, AEW having its big one-year anniversary. And... um, It was... The big gimmick was that all the titles would be on the line for this... For this um, event, which yeah, they, they they did it was it was a good it was a it was a good show. It, they are always AEW is consistently one of the best wrestling programs out there. It's it's incredible, and this was a very very good show. And um, I was gonna say they had yeah their their championship matches. They involved 
they had the FTR, of course, uh, former the revival versus the best friends with Chuck Taylor and Trent, not Orange Cassidy, since Orange would be up against Cody for the TNT Championship. And they, the um, the revival, of course, won because you know they they did some of their sneaky usual stuff with the belts smacking. Smacking about the belts, there was kind of an odd moment where the ref saw it and it's like he wasn't able to put two and two together that he that that um, they he had been hit with the belt. Um, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Trent who got hit, but it's I, I haven't looked back on it. But I'm just trying to remember. But either way, he it was a little odd that he wasn't able to put the kind of pieces together with that, especially when you consider how he, sometimes there's moments where they'll use just the sound of a chair shot versus actually having to see it. So it's always kind of funny when the inconsistency with shows like that, not just in AEW, but like WWE does that too. You know, with Eddie Guerrero, he'll hit the ground and then he'll throw the chair. And then he's like, wait a second. He, I heard a hit. Now this is going on. So I got to DQ you. And yet other times they can't notice that. Whatever. Then we had Cody versus Orange Cassidy. Another really, really good match with a really innovative ending with, Cody kind of winning by luck with Orange getting him in the pin after hitting him with his with his big punt his orange juice punch if that's what I, I don't remember what, what he calls it but his Superman punch looking move and just barely being able to get the cover and then not making it in time with him getting the three with them the, the clock running out before he could get the three count so it was that was pretty clever and. There's a lot that can be said on whether or not Cody is should be the AEW TNT Championship, you know, because I mean, it's yeah. Uh, I don't know if I really want to get into what I think about Cody being AEW TNT Championship because it's a little complicated, but I might as well might as well talk just a little bit about it. Um, what you want from a good mid card title, in my opinion, is you want it as a way to kind of either elevate someone who you think could be a good champion. So say like when Austin won the intercontinental championship and they wanted to see like, it's, it's like a test. They want to see if they can handle them being a champion to begin with the kind of responsibilities go on with that. And then they take it off them to make sure they can be world championship or sometimes it's just a way to kind of, you know, kind of show off a wrestler and show them off to, you know, they may not be world championship material, but, you know, they'll give them a title because they want to show that these guys can work. So it's say, um, I know bad example since he was a main mentor, but Seth Rollins with his title, he showed off the, the, his workhorse ability when he was intercontinental champion. And as John Cena showed with the United States championship, you elevate it. You want to elevate the title the, when you give it main event guys, give it, you don't want to treat it as a demotion. Like many criticized Roman Reigns did when he was, both United States champ and Intercontinental Champion, that Roman always kind of felt he was too big for the title. And it's, uh, I'm not saying Cody's doing that. Cody's definitely not doing that. Cody's definitely treated this title with a ton of respect. And it's been really creative with it, with, where he's been getting indie guys. Like he got Eddie Kingston, he got uh, Warhorse to come in and fight him for it. And he's, Showing off Sonny Kiss a little bit, regardless of the booking with that, which was a little down that the fact that Sonny Kiss had won so few matches and yet got this major opportunity and MJF hasn't. 
regardless about that. Um, it's It's been really cool that he's been doing that kind of style where he's been kind of having these one-off competitors come in and fight him for it. But um, it's Cody Rhodes. That's it's or Cody. It's Cody. That's the issue. Is that he's the you know he's the head of the company, and it's there's a lot that can be said about whether or not it's fun seeing like a guy like him with the belt and everything. And if you want, like if it's if it's um, like some people always criticize Vince for putting Shane in huge matches, and it's not super the same thing, but it's. You know, you, you can't help but see it a little bit. Just kind of go, eh, or at least in my opinion. I, I just see it sometimes with him trying to get himself over a lot with these matches. It's always this perpetual underdog tweener kind of attitude where you can never really, or he, he tends to flip-flop between being a really sympathetic babyface and being really also kind of dastardly with it. And I don't know. I just, I, I just think there's something about Cody trying to – Cody, I think, is clearly one of those guys who thinks – Okay, I don't want to say that. But he, he's because he's definitely earned it. He is de- he is a very good competitor. He's he's he has all the rights to think highly of himself. Sometimes he's very good. He's a very very good competitor. But I don't know. There's just something about it that he's. It feels sometimes. Sometimes it feels like he's trying to put himself over, despite the matches. I mean, with the Brody Lee match, that kind of was like, okay, no, maybe he's not doing that because you know he just got squashed by Brody Lee in that match and it was incredible. But then to win it back later on, that kind of changed my mind a little bit about it. Either way, though, it's the AEW TNT Championship. It's it's pretty good, and I like the idea of you know bringing in indie guys. This is I think this is really cool to show off what AEW does that NXT or WWE most certainly won't do is you know reaching out to these other promotions and showing off their range within the community, showing off their their ability to kind of work within the community a little bit more than WWE or NXT does. Like, NXT a little bit less now, but still, even to the point where a lot of them, they kind of shut out other promotions. They shut out a bit these guys that aren't within their, really in their view or their, in their roster. And I, I like that AW was willing to do that with guys who aren't necessarily booked for the, like booked or signed to the company. And I wish he, I kind of wish he would do that more because I think that's something that could make this championship interesting, but Either way, it's I like Cody's great, so it's he's he's fun to watch. And either way, he's he's still done a good job for this championship. Uh, we had Hikaru Shida. Uh, I meant, oh, let me try that again. Hikaru Shida versus Big Swole for the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, Big Swole is not my favorite. I'm not. I don't want to. Again, I don't like to diss wrestlers too much because it is. I do think there's a bit of a point that's unfair to say something about a guy about a job I've never really done myself. Nor kind of. Either way, I don't. I don't, I don't like just to be too harsh about saying who's bad. And who's I don't like to say undeserving either. Just. Um, I don't know. She's just, she's never, I, I, she's never really entertained me too much in the ring. I've never had a match that really stood out that much. She's clearly charismatic and I love Sheeta. And, but I don't know. This just, this match wasn't too much for me. We have, I think we had a Falcon Zero kick out, which it's fun and all. It's, there's always that criticism that AW does finish her kick outs, but a lot of promotions do that anyhow. So, it was, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't wasn't for me. So I'll just, if you enjoyed it, more power to you. Then we had, of course, Mount Moxley versus Lance Archer. No disqualifications. Very fun. Very, very fun brawl. Uh, I love Lance Archer. I love John Moxley. And 
kind of they, they really they clearly went all out for <laughs> all out for it they went all out for it and it i don't know if awesome like archer is um there's a word i'm trying to find for him he's he's not he not sure it's i don't know there's just something about him having been into major championship kind of Arena's already kind of not and hasn't won them, especially since his team he's teaming up with Jake Roberts is just so much fun that it is it is kind of interesting that they have they're just I don't it's not exposing him, just kind of giving the giving him these losses, regardless of how he receives these losses. It's it is just kind of odd to me. It's kind of it's somewhat similar to Braun Strowman a little bit that they're kind of you know treating him as a big tough guy on the outside, but then when it comes to these big moments, he seems to kind of fall short a little bit. He's still got a long way. He hasn't, of course, had this a uh, little little time off and everything because of the COVID, but he's he's still lovely and he's this was still a really good match. So what what I wanted to talk about this was uh, two things. Speaking of like the women's division and everything was what Britt Baker, of course, one of the highlights of the women's division consistently uh, had said about the AEW's women's division. I wanted to talk about that, but I also wanted to talk about what Eddie Kingston said after the match with John Moxley and, and, um, and, and Lance Archer. And I was kind of, it was kind of a bit, okay, so uh, let me just explain what happened there. It was, um, Eddie Kingston came out and talked about uh, having, you know, been John's friends and all that and how they, he, he should respect him. Like, you know, he's like, this man's a real good champion and everything. He's, and he's like, hold his hand. I'll give him his belt and, you know, give him all respect before just, smacking him with the back fist of the future and applying on the, his sleeper hole that, you know, he claimed that John didn't, he didn't tap out. He passed out. So it's not, so he thinks he's still got claims to it, but reportedly there was, an, he, after the, the show went off, he talked a bit about, um, he, he talked a bit about how, how Moxley, you know, left them and to WWE and everything. And he talked about, um, it kind of like this, not this abandonment of the. Hang on, my computer is slowing down a little bit. Um, make sure nothing's being lost. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was talking a bit about how how he how he left them. Now let me see if I can pull up what I had written down. This. Yeah, he said, this is what you want, huh? Big, bad John Moxley. Ladies and gentlemen, boo me all you want, but this son of a word I can't say on the doobie, he said to me the day that he signed a contract, he would go to the land of sports entertainers. You low life, you told me that the inmates were going to run the asylum. Kingston said, Kingston continued to bash Moxley. Um, kept on criticizing him for leaving him behind. Um, and apparently now, from this one I'm reading, they were talking about how Tony Khan says that this promo will be received by a wider audience. It's like, I don't know. It, there's something about this kind of promo that AEW in general has a habit of seemingly, I don't want to say they rely on WWE. I do not want to say that because there's this whole criticism about AEW becoming the next WWE with how many WWE wrestlers they have employed, but 
it is they just they do tend to poke a lot of fun at them they do tend to reference this a lot and it's i think it's a little hypocritical that cody you know had recently talked about on on an interview where he he mentioned you can't always judge someone by where they had but where they where they had been since you know he's like luke harper is now he's now mr Brody lee he's no longer the guy from wwe he's now this guy which is a very very good point we should we can't always judge them by what they what they have done we need to talk about them in the now but then also see them just you know consistently bring this up themselves and try to like paint this picture and it's it just it feels some kind it feels a little not only hypocritical but just kind of counterproductive it's because they want the way this is going to succeed AEW is going to succeed is to prove that you know another pro wrestling company can exist on their own they've done this very well they have done this just so very well that they can exist they have a great tv deal they have great ratings they've got a passionate fan base they have you know they have some uh, mainstream they have some mainstream success but it's it, it's just this constant reliance you know poke jabs at wwe and to you know kind of make these snide kind of comments about it, it just it feels childish it feels like something you see from indie guys like there's that famous one where after Orton had mentioned not liking high flying, and then those guys always made jokes about hitting RKOs rather than doing any kind of top rope maneuvers. It it just feels kind of childish. Like yeah, it's funny once in a while, but it, it makes you feel as though you can't exist without this company. And it to see and also just also just see Kingston. I blame him for leaving them because he wants to you know go to a place that has such exposure and everything. It, it it that just doesn't uh, it doesn't rub me the wrong it doesn't that rubs me the wrong way a little bit that we he's blaming him you know wanting for to want to um I mean of course this could be this, this could be entirely in character I mean I'm, I'm making speculation on that but there was an idea that he that this was partly based off of real feelings and I don't know just the idea that he's that they're blaming him for you know wanting to make more money and you know be at the what is the supposed big big leagues a place so many wrestlers still want to end up in wwe it just it just kind of feels feels wrong and i get and i just don't think that's the right way to handle that uh sorry that i was a little rambly but either way it's kind of leading into my point about aew constantly constantly using little jabs at wwe i mean they had another incident where Kingston was making a joke about a promo with a cookie because reportedly in promo class in WWE, they kind of teach it a bit more like theater comp, like theater, theater, like with like weird game exercises. And as a theater person, I can say that, you know what, they are effective. They, they do help. And it's, I think it's silly that they're kind of trying to treat it like this is something strange. I remember one guy was trying to make a big deal about it where Vince once asked, uh, I think it was Sheamus and Wade Barrett during a promo to have an argument like they were dogs. Which, yes, that seems weird, but what you understand is, as a as an actor, I can tell you what that is. Is he's trying to help them, you know, convey emotions. It's not just about what you're saying; it's about how you say it. And he's trying to get them to, to I kind of, you know, the bark. When you, if you if you eliminate, you know, their vocabulary, then they have to rely on their expressions and their tones more to do it. So it's. It's it's actually it's actually effective, and I just I think it's silly when people kind of look at that with, with like a raised eyebrow, and um, 
there was that issue. There was, of course, the whole Brody Lee thing where, you know, it's clearly Vince McMahon. They're clearly parodying Vince McMahon where he's like, no, 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 no. It's mob bosses. And it's like, yeah, he's, he hates sneezing. He eats steaks. He cared more about a guy's sport background and his height. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's Vince McMahon, and out going out to call Mister Brody Lee. Yeah, it's Vince McMahon. I'm sorry, but it, it is there was no. It's it's a little bit like like that moment where you know the young bucks said, "Oh no, the chair shot to the head was meant to be gimmicked." It's like you watch it, and you're like, "Yeah, I don't." You, you know, it, you say it's a gimmick, but it didn't it didn't look like that was really supposed to be gimmicked a little bit. Again, it's speculation, conjecture. I it's just my opinion again about this because. I'm not backstage, so I don't know exactly. All I have is just, you know, my my own. I am critical, critical thinking, thinking through. But um, I, back to the major point, though, there's criticism that AEW is pushing WWE stars, and this has drawn comparisons a bit to what TNA Impact Wrestling used to do, where they had a majority of WWE stars as the top of the company. They had a ton of they had Hogan, they had Sting, they had Bubba Ray Dudley, they had uh, Kurt Angle, they had they had Booker T. They had all these guys that were mostly WWE guys that then they bring into the company and they're you know they started pushing them again, even though most of them were well past their prime. And I th- I think that's the main point. I I think whereas TNA did it because they thought it was the best way to get them success and it showed a, a fear to really explore beyond what what else they had you know like they had AJ Styles they had Eric Young they had they've had Abyss they have uh, Decay they had a lot to work with and but um I think that's again I'm saying past the prime it's that's the difference there it's I was thinking about, about Jeff Hardy and how Jeff Hardy had a, a legitimately good run in TNA because you know he wasn't past his prime and it's it is unfair because especially saying, you know, even NXT does this kind of to an extent where, you know, they use people who got their fame somewhere else to help bolster their brand a little bit. And I just I know there's an argument that can be made that NXT is different with it because they, you know, they change I mean, even then, that's not really a good argument because they kind of AEW and NXT both kind of do the same thing where they change up the gimmicks a little bit. Um, not even a little bit, like a lot, because you know, Luke Harper isn't Brody Lee. They're completely different. But you know, it's AEW isn't pushing people that aren't in their prime, that are, are, are like a Ric Flair and McFoley that were well past their primes by this point. These guys, Moxley still has plenty of time left in a Brody Lee is again reinvented himself. It's um, who I was just about to think of someone else. I, I'm just completely blanked on. Uh, uh, shoot. Besides the point though, uh, they've, they, these guys are, have reinvented themselves and they're trying out new things and they should be rewarded for having these new gimmicks in his mind. It's like Matt Hardy with TNA where he, you know, he completely changed up his gimmick where, with the broken Matt Hardy. And it's that the criticisms of him being an ex-WW guy kind of go away. It's when you entirely, entirely rely on that past to create the fame and don't do anything new with them or, you know, do bare minimum new with them, which is what TNA did. AEW is doing a lot of new stuff with their roster, with their current, with their current, um, 
set of wrestlers and it's not just relying on wwe i mean they're yes like i I mentioned before they do tend to make a lot of jabs at them which i think needs to stop chris jericho god dang it chris jericho was the one i was thinking of i don't know why he just came to my mind now sorry um yeah but even jericho he's doing something different with le champion versus just being the list again it's I think what's detrimental to them then is constantly bringing up these like for store even for storyline. I think this is detrimental to them to keep this up. It's like for Miro to come in and talk about you know having the brass ring he'll never have or having a Jake Hager talk about his the bad having Jericho talk about Jake Hager's bad creative. I mean. To FTR's credit, they didn't really do a lot with you know being anti WWE when they came in. They were very, they created their own thing and they kind of rolled with it. That's what I think is their problem, and I think that's why the criticism is coming to them is that they their hat or is that they are constantly then poking jabs at it to get some attention. Like, oh, did you see what they said the other night about you know he said he's botching on both shows because Damian Priest is also doing the rolling cutter, ha ha. And it, it, that's, I think, what's childish is that's the part I don't think that they need to stop. They need to stop these jabs. It makes them not only look lower as a company, but then it also makes them just garner that criticism that they can't exist without it. And I think they, they if, if they would keep – it'd be different if they said, like, Moxie left them or, like, had this higher it, – it, it, it'd be different if – I think it's the wording. I think the wording definitely counts when it comes to this Kingston-Moxley promo. And I, I think it's clear that if they – there's a lot of ways it could work otherwise without bringing up WWE. I don't think you need to mention it as if it's this evil company because that's what's going to draw the ire because you're not only relying on the name value of his past, then you're also making yourself seem very bitter, which is just another, you know, another huge thing about him because they do a ton of great stuff with it. They do make, they use managers. They use like they use their legends better than WWE does. You know, having them as managers. You know, give these guys some credit, like some credibility instantly by having another guy stand by his side. Tully Blanchard, Jake Roberts, Arn Anderson. It's it's all good. That's good stuff. You know, because you're not entirely copying it, and you're not completely and you're not completely shutting down another young prospect by having them beat them. You know, Goldberg versus the Fiend. So uh, I guess I did kind of turn into a bit of a ranty opinion piece a little bit more than I intended this for to, intended this for, intended this to become. So, um, but yeah, it's I think that's their major problem. And I think they need to taper off that just a little bit because then if you can re- if they can really show that they can exist without having to reference these pasts and having to reference the company that they're fighting with, I think it would definitely make them a bit stronger. I think. That's something I think NXT does just really well as they don't constantly bring up AEW, you know, always making reference to, you know, I don't even know what they would make reference to. I'm trying to think like, you know, thank you for being on the one true wrestling show on Wednesday nights, or at least we don't, at least our um, head of presidents doesn't have a championship around his belt or something. I don't know, some something stupid like that where it, like, they, yeah, they did when, you know, Triple H first started out that he had that whole thing where he, where he mentions the little company that he could buy and destroy with if he wanted to. But that, that, again, that was just, that happened once and it hasn't really happened that later. And I think 
and I think they've done a good job outside of that. But again, AEW is still a brilliant company. I hate when people, when I criticize it, that I get sometimes some flack from my my friends or just people I've talked to online about it. They just they get really defensive about it. And they're, they're like, "Well, you hate AEW." I'm like, "No, I don't hate AEW. I just think to say that they're perfect or that they do everything right isn't isn't fair." All right, that, again, enough about AEW. I want to talk a bit about uh, what's on the wrestling news that happened. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry again. Um, okay, wait, I did actually have one more thing I wanted to say about AEW. It was uh, Britt Baker, because speaking of things that they don't do particularly well, um, they they had a... There was, a, there was an interview with uh, Britt Baker, so I'm looking through my notes, where she mentions where she, she was talking about a, the AEW's women's division, which has received a ton of a ton of uh, flack because it's they, they promised all this stuff that they were going to give it, and it it hasn't taken off. Like to, I'm going to be full honest, it hasn't taken off. AEW's women's division isn't really that great. They don't dedicate a lot of time to them. They don't, I guess, especially against NXT and WWE, which have done tried have tried so far tried so much with their women's division. You know, even giving them a main event spot on WrestleMania, trying to give them great storylines and whatnot to have to, to, to just then have AEW, which is very basic with, you know, this, the typical one woman storyline formula and very, very little else outside of that. And of course, Britt Baker being outspoken and a really, you know, probably one of the most entertaining parts of the AEW division uh, mentioned in an interview about, uh, she said, and I know there are plans to grow the women's division, but at the same time, we need help from the fans at home too. We can't have the women's segments being the lowest rated or the lowest views each week because at the end of the day, it's a business and AEW needs ratings. Okay, so <laughs> first of all, I kind of think this sounds a little like it's like, it's a little beggy. Like, I, I, yes, it's it's fair that you know we need eyes on the product, but at the same time, you you need to present us with something as well. We need we we need to see something that's different or something that you know that will get people to watch the program. It's one thing if fans are literally just turning off because you know they're sexist and they don't want to watch women's wrestling. It's another thing to have a bad product and to say no, watch it because you know we need the ratings. So um, I, I think it, it, it depends on how you look at it. A little bit um, to me, it's a little, it's 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 a little funny that she how she how she's worded it, where she's saying, you know, AEW needs ratings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do, but at the same time, I don't want to watch, I don't want to watch a segment that's not doing well. I want to see something, I want to see something good. So I, I think it's it's it is a bit on both parts. Though I do think she makes a fair point that there are some fans out there, you know, that are just that turn off on it really fast. I think, and I I do think maybe we. On the outside, we need to bring more attention to the good things, like Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. We need to bring more attention to these people that are doing really well in there and why you should watch them versus, you know, just expecting the fans to chime in because, you know, give, you know, just to give them a chance. I mean, it's it sounds a little harsh of me to say it like that, but it's, it, it, it is, it, it's kind of a bit like when WWE started, when they were talking about the give, there was the whole, you know, give Davis a chance movement and WWE finally started giving them some more opportunities. And, you know, eventually people were like, ah, you know, women's wrestling is actually pretty good, you know, cause it didn't happen overnight where they were literally just 
fans literally just started tuning in because because another movement had occurred. It they worked hard to get to where they were. These they got more talented people in that weren't just in it for their looks alone. They got time on TV. They got time on pay per views to do this. And I think I don't, I'm not saying AEW is just like WWE in attitude or ruthless aggression era. Far from it. They are very good. They 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 are they still give really good wrestling matches, but I think storyline wise and time, I think they just need to give a little bit more. I think some better ideas because you know we don't want more. Um, what was it the the midnight not the midnight collective the nightmare yeah the, the midnight collective that could be the name ah sorry the 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 nightmare collective with Luther and Brandy and just that just didn't work and I think that yeah that was a good storyline. And if, but even then, fair props to them. They they listened, and you know they stopped the storyline because you know it, it wasn't working out. Either way, that was just my small thing on the women's division. I think there's definitely a lot of room for it to grow, but I think for them to just expect fans to watch it isn't very very fair of them to to bring up. All right, but away from AEW. Okay, I want to reiterate. I love AEW. Really great show. Regardless, some other things I want to talk about back on the WWE NXT side. And also something happening on the indies. Um, actually, I'll talk about the indie thing first since a lot of this is also NXT and WWE related. Uh, the indie things, there was this new show called The Masked Wrestler, which I had recently watched. And it's it's it, it's an interesting concept. So so sometimes the mainstream will like to you know dip into the... And I can't really say this is mainstream since it's, it is based on an indie production, but it feels kind of mainstream-ish a little bit, but... It's uh, the Masked Wrestler is this new show where they're where its wrestlers are based around about not knowing each other's identities. Everyone's masked and the wrestling matches masked and no one, not even the the viewers or the panelists know who are or the commentators know who's wrestling. It's all about you know figuring out who this person is and they have these judges who will actually one of them was Chris Stantlander, which was kind of funny. Where they'll, they'll they'll talk where they observe their move sets and try to guess who this could be. And if you know they guess them, they got to reveal themselves, and then they have to go through the rest of it at, at a dis- at a kayfabe disadvantage, not knowing who their opponent is. Um, it's definitely an interesting concept. It, it's it's a very interesting thing. But as I was talking about the mainstream, I guess this is why I was thinking about it. There was another another Amazon Prime show. I'm probably gonna mention Amazon Prime as long as I don't promote it. There was a show on Amazon Prime where it was it was a I'm trying to remember what it was called, though. It, the gimmick was the wrestlers. Oh yeah, Dojo Pro. It was. Um, it was the gimmick was a wrestler would win. A, they would fight a match, and then they would, and then they they they'd win a belt, and then they try to carry this belt up through a ladder of, or a ranking of a few other wrestlers, trying to hold on to it, then to win another belt, to which then you get a chance at the Ring of Honor. Championship, uh, TV championship. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm correct, but the problem with it is, you know, it's a bit more of a mainstream. It's not necessarily. It's Ring of Honor helped with it, but it wasn't entirely run by it. And sometimes when you get those shows, you get very, very basic wrestling, and that's kind of what I got from Masked Wrestler a little bit. Was, of course, this could be partly because you know you don't want to you know, give away too much, but, you know, it also kind of makes it less fun when you don't see a lot because they, in this match, they only showed a few moves. 
that aren't really great telltale signs. I mean, the guy turned out to be, I believe, I don't want to spoil it actually, but just watching, like, you know, you're seeing a lot of like arm bars, like, you know, arm bars, hammer locks, trading basic kind of counter stuff that you would see at the beginning of like a, of a, of an Iron Man match, you know, kind of preserve energy, but also still give the audience some flash. It's a majority of that with very few really innovative moves that not only don't give you a chance to see what the wrestlers look could be, but also just, you know, entertaining. It's not, it wasn't, it's a great concept, but the match itself, it's just, it was just kind of dull. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring up Dojo Pro a little bit was I got those similar vibes with Dojo Pro. You know, it's clearly pandering a little bit to a not wrestling audience as much. So they're using, like they're, they're trying to spread it beyond just wrestling fans. So they're using very basic moves. They're using very basic punches. There's not a lot of, variety like elbow drops or finishing maneuvers and it's it's always kind of funny when you see that because it's it's such a basic wrestling thing the elbow drop even then even though it's clearly not a huge finishing move by a lot of company standards anymore um but yeah i think as a ton of i i think it looked like a really really good show and i just want to say i liked it and i think it's a very interesting idea and i think uh, hopefully it does better and it's not just more of that kind of basic wrestling stuff i want there to be just a bit more from it so yeah i just want to give a spotlight on a new promotion there i can't say anything i can't say i'm promoting it or anything like that i just have to say i can say my opinions on it so that's fair uh then back to the wwe nxt news um i also want to talk about the g1 climax and say i was right i was right sonata managed to Sonata managed to win his block. I had called it from the beginning. I know I, I know I came a little bit close to saying I'm changing my mind, but I called it. Sonata ended up winning the his uh, his his B block, the G1. So now he's up against Kota Ibushi, who set a record for I think three consecutive wins in the G1. So my boy Sonata has done it. Uh, final standings, yeah, it was Ibushi and Sonata winning it all, and. Uh, Jay White, since he lost, he couldn't win on tiebreaker. So it's overall, the G1 has been fairly good so far. It's, it has been a very solid G1 this this year, and I uh, we'll get the winner of the whole thing soon enough. Uh, I might, I yeah, I'm filming this actually before Sunday, so I I may not, I, I could be late on it, but I'll just say, uh, I'm. I'm going to bet I wanted to go with the Sonata win for the overall thing, but you know, it's Kota Ibushi and there's a huge chance he, he'll probably win, but either way, I'm not going to, uh, that's just my prediction for it. It's probably coming out later. So I'll take a look there. Probably apologize for it next week if I'm wrong. So yeah, that was just my thing on the G1. I just want to say I was right. And I am an awesome, awesome booker and wrestling critic. <laughs> okay. Back to regular WWE and NXT news. Uh-huh. We had uh, the Lars Sullivan, of course, is coming back, and since life seems to hate him, he also got some. Like, it's not really that funny, but it's okay. It's kind of funny. It's a little bit of Schadenfreude, but he he came back and then immediately got hit with some sexual assault allegations after having been out for so long for sensitivity training with his home since he made those terrible homophobic slurs, and then got injured. So it just, just seems like life doesn't want Lars Sullivan to win. He just he's I, I can't say if he's a poor guy since he what he said was horrible. And if he is if he did sexual assault, that it's also terrible. But 
Still, uh, it seems like as though reports are saying that he's, regardless of this, they're going to keep pushing him. Again, his next big feud is against Braun Strowman. We saw him recently just squash, not really squash, Hardy got in some offense, but on Friday, Hardy got in some offense, but was taken out with Lars by freak accident off the top rope. Pretty pretty epic looking move. Uh, Braun versus Lars, that could be good. I mean, they're both big hosses. They're and I don't know. It's poor Braun. Just kind of if it is poor Braun, he's he's clearly taken a lot, and it's I don't want to see him really slip down the card. He's he had all the potential, and he is a little. I always like to defend him a little bit, but even now that I'm seeing this, I kind of do see that he's maybe he's been a little damaged. I, there's always hope. I never like to completely give up on wrestlers. I hate when people say that someone is completely t- ruined. Uh, I, only like to, I only like to say about their current positions, and uh, currently Braun, I don't think, is doing too well at the moment, which is sad. And then well, also talking about current, um, current wrestlers are uh, Finn Balor recently got had surgery for his broken jaw after his banger of a, ma- a match in against uh, Kyle O'Reilly at TakeOver. And so now there's speculations on how, to what extent the surgery, like how long it'll take him to recover and whether or not they'll have to uh, take the belt off him, which which would be a shame considering, first of all, NXT is just having terrible luck with these injuries. And also this would be the second, this would be the second champion, NXT champion, no less, that just got injured in their reign. And and it, it, it's not—it's never good when this kind of thing happens to a company because you know you can then they have to rethink of a plan B and sometimes the plan Bs are never as good as what the plan A was going to be, and you know sometimes fans are not always willing to play along with it, which can always sting. And like we saw that with Karen Cross, they kind of you know he he separated his shoulder and then kind of quickly had to put together something. And it's a shame. It, it's a shame if this is the case. It's Valerie's doing so well in his current NXT role. This is just such a cool character. It's the proper tweener we knew he could be. It's reminiscent of his bullet, of his bullet club run. It's it's the character we've always wanted we want to see from main roster battler. But it, it'd be a shame if this injury has to, you know, take the title off him so soon from the prince. Uh I hope it must be recovery and I really hope that that's not the case. Um also, in sad wrestling news, there was the New Day, of course, as we men- mentioned last week. The New Day split up because of the WWE draft. And last and this Friday, they had a they had a segment talking about, you know, kind of just kind of saying goodbye, just letting themselves like have a promo about the things they did. I think it was they mentioned, you know, like how, where their careers were at before they joined up into the New Day and just became one of the greatest things in W probably one of the best tag teams of all time in just in just wrestling in general. In my opinion, they are one of they'd be top I think they are top ten best wrestling tag teams of all time. Not just in WWE, just in general. They because they, they have just been so incredible for the last six years. And to see them have these this last match against Sheamus, Cesaro and uh, Nakamura was very nice. You got to see them kind of play the hits with their classic signature maneuvers. But what what stood out to me was I saw then a backstage interview, which you know those interviews are always a little bit less hampered by traditional WWE constraints and promo pre written promos. So you, the wrestlers get a bit of a chance to show off their attitudes a bit more, what story they want to 
and you know sometimes point the direction as to where their characters are going when it's a little bit of shades of gray sometimes kevin owens is always a genius at that but it was amazing it was such a good and heartwarming promo because it, you know xavier woods was talking about how he wanted to find that group of people that he could spend the rest of his career with and you know how long it took him to get to wwe and just how long it took him to find that group in general and it was it was really a like a tear like a tugged at your heart strings like he, he broke up a little bit whether he was clearly trying to hold back some tears kofi talking about how new day changed his life and would and then biggie talked about you know just how they were friends on the outside because it's one of those things you know they they travel together they tag teams they spend all this time together and it's it is sad when they have to get sometimes when they're broken up like this especially there's a lot you could say about how new day should have split up if they should have been heel turn like the a la shield where it's just literal raw emotion it's like how could this have happened or I don't want to say this was the best. I don't want to say like this is how I always envisioned the New Day going out because I honestly would have been ha very happy with them just staying together. They're one of those tag teams that they never get old. They always managed to have their Uso feud with, a few years ago was a great indication of this where they kept finding new ways to just put on clinics. And these clinics, they managed to just like do new things each time. You know, there's always the criticism that sometimes matches when you get into those third pay-per-view matches that the matches can become a little old the new day and usos were just against that you know they had these they had brilliant chemistry that new day always have great chemistry with the wrestling they have great chemistry with each other i would have been happy just seeing them go on as a tag team and i think they seem perfectly happy doing it as well but i think as far as a new day split could go this was a very good way to do it this was a very very good way i think they handled it very well and it's going to be interesting to see where Big E goes from this because there have been reports about how Big E wants to, or not Big E wants to, how they want to make Big E a bit more of a serious character. And that was the whole reason they wanted to split him was so he could be a little bit away from the goofy comedic sides of the New Day. I'm kind of curious to see how Woods and Woods and Kingston are going to handle it because I imagine they're going to still have the kind of New Day-ish gimmick with them. But it's just E, big E was such an important part of that. Like, you know, it, it, they, they needed that kind of muscle, that kind of big, I think a big goofball behind them with his, you know, his, his marvelous hips. <laughs> you know, he always liked to breathe. He does have really good hips. Uh, that's weird. He meant, and he, he was just always a great presence in the team. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they, Kingston and Woods can handle. They're very talented on their own. I don't want to say they're not because they, they had a whole lot of, to do with it. And they also were, both really talented wrestlers, but I just don't know. I wonder how the gimmick's going to work without him. And I'm also worried about, you know, Big E being pushed as a serious guy because, of course, when he first debuted, he was that serious character. I mentioned this a bit last week with his, I don't need a three count, I need a four count gimmick. And it's, I, I, I'm worried because what made him so likable was this, was the fact that they revealed this untapped charisma and comedic timing that no one had seen from him that made him just so lovable and i'm worried if they make if they go too far with it so they're going to make turn him back into that enforcer like character that doesn't really give you a whole lot to work with if they're going to split this up we want to see biggie with a big title chance we want to see we want to see big e we don't want to see biggie langston we want to see the big e that sounds weird to say the big e but we want to see biggie as he is we want to see changes to him we want to see him handle you know handle this loss but we don't want to see it handled stereotypically. We want to see 
We want to see him get serious, a bit more serious, but we don't want to see him lose the charisma and the comedy that made him just so love, beloved amongst the fan base. And it's, of course, there's always a WWE, you never know. They could drop the ball, which would be a shame. I'm hoping they don't. I always have hope that they don't, which is probably my own fault, but still, I have hope. On to some lighter news about things being split up or canceled. Uh, Raw Underground is believed to be finished. That's fine. Raw Underground wasn't anything spectacular. It, I mean, it brought in uh, Babatunde, who I don't remember his current ring name, nor do I think I could pronounce it. But he's got a good look about him. I mean, it uh, brought in, I think, um, Arturo, Arturo, like another guy who's another, it basically brought in these two. Arturo Ruas, I believe, was also in it. Like, I'm, I'm probably butchering that name, but... I've never actually said it out loud. Uh, he, yeah, two Evolve guys. Um, okay, Bob Attendant wasn't Evolve, but he, he's, he's been in a few Evolve shows. And he, it, it, it worked well for that. It worked well to you know, get these guys that hit a bit harder and hit a bit more like legit strikers. Some attention, but when it brought in real wrestlers to try to do stuff, it kind of was like, yeah, it seems a little silly again because... I mentioned last week with the World Cup. Uh, I should just briefly run that by. And the, in the World Cup standings, currently Dave, Dave Mastiff just knocked out Joseph Connors. Again, knockouts in wrestling, eh, whatever you want to say about that. I made my whole point about that in the last few, in the last episode. Either way, Dave Mastiff moved on from NXT UK. That's, by the way, I didn't want to draw too much attention to it, NXT UK's. Still fun, but it wasn't a, spect- it wasn't a spectacular fight. It was, it was all right. But no, either way, Raw Underground is, at the moment, the reports are that it is currently canceled, and that they're they're not looking um, as of yet. That there's no there's there's it was mostly because of the whole COVID outbreak, and they wanted to keep away all these people from being too close to each other. But what the reports are saying is that it looks as though they're not going to pick it back up when even after this whole thing subsides. Which again, I perfectly fine with. It wasn't a very well fleshed out idea. Um, it could have could have been something with some minor tweaking, perhaps, but as of as it was, it wasn't anything spectacular. Uh, oh shoot! And then for one of the last things I want to bring up a bit, so I'll probably be able to spend some minutes talking about was that was uh, NXT is bringing back Halloween Havoc with their host Shotzi Blackheart, who is awesome. But the Halloween Havoc gimmick, for those of you who don't know. Is that was a pay per view from WCW, where it had started back in 1989 actually, and became a yearly pay per view for the promotion um, in 1991. After well, okay, so it started out as part of the NWA when you know the territories were still around, but it when it became it, it became a yearly pay per view since 1989, and then became part of the official WCW pay per view in 1991, and. It was a yearly pay-per-view that kind of, of course, as I said, was around October and specialized a lot in their very gimmicky matches. They were very, they always, they always did something a bit more fun. They, like uh, Jake and Jake, Jake Roberts for Sting was in a coal miners glove match, which is, yeah, it's, it's just stuff that you never really expect. 
and it's it's some it's very creative stuff but you know it doesn't always turn into something that's kind of, i don't want to say it's again i like to make too much judgments but it's, yeah it, it, it sometimes they they didn't always work they um it, yeah it, it, it it's like you know uh with the coal miners glove it's like you know it's it's heavier so it's like it's a super effective weapon but yeah it's it's whatever it, it, it it's gonna be an interesting show i, th I think there'll be it's i think with today's I, how do i put this i think with today's audience i think with today's wrestlers understanding of these kind of silver gimmick matches becoming a good chance for fun rather than legitimate match types like i think sometimes the w, wcw would do with their their matches where they, i think they would mistake these kind of gimmicky matches for like a chance to really tell serious storytelling and it just kind of fell flat i'm thinking with nxt they're probably going to be able to handle it with a bit more sorry again with a bit more of that kind of lighthearted, kind of a little bit more fun like it, it's going to be a fun show to see it's going to be it's going to be a bit more comedic with, you know, it's a spin the wheel. The whole gimmick is going to be the stipulations are determined by spin the wheel, which have always been kind of hit and miss. The one I remember first watching was Drew McIntyre with Santina Morella for the blindfold match. And it, it's, it's these, when you have this, it's a good chance to kind of show more, to kind of show off more of a kind of versatility of the wrestlers rather than try to really push for a clinic match. And I think if the wrestling fans understand this, and I think if, NXT more importantly understands this. It doesn't try to make something super serious out of a silly gimmick. I mean, we don't know what's on the wheel. So, I mean, I, I haven't taken a deep look at the wheel. I should, probably should have. But from what you can see, it's like we, we don't know what's going to be on it. So, and we don't know what's going to happen. So, it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I'm, I'm thinking with NXT with a bit more, I think they have their finger a little bit more on the pulse of the fan base. So, I think they. I think that they'll know how to handle something like this. And I, I'm very excited to see, to, to, I'm very excited to see it. And I'll probably get, I'll get my reactions to it. Of course, next Sunday when it's after it's finally premiered. Uh, either than, other than that, I have run out of notes and what else I wanted to say about this week in wrestling. So um, I guess I can turn it off now by saying thank you all. If you if you just tuned in, thank you for listening first time. I hope you 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 managed to handle my stuttering and ramblings long enough to find some kernel of interesting ideas or opinions inside of it. And if you're returning to watch again, I thank you again, and I hope you all have a good day. And this has been William Maine for the Rabbit. Uh, not the Rabbit Hole. That's my other show. This has been William Maine on the Undercard, broadcasting you from Denison University in Granville, Ohio. So yeah, have a good. Hope you all have a good rest of the day.